Amen. So I do want to share a couple of things. We got to have his word. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. See, life without God's presence was not his original plan for us. He designed us to know him, living in close and intimate fellowship with him. That's why life is so difficult and unfulfilling for so many people. Because they're living without the one thing that is essential for our fulfillment and well-being. We're living without the continuous, enduring presence of God. And whenever you live without a vital, ongoing relationship with God, you have no hope of finding true happiness or fulfilling the purpose for which you were born. You simply cannot function properly and effectively outside the environment of God's presence. God doesn't just want, he doesn't come just because we want him to. God comes when the conditions are right. We have to learn to nurture an atmosphere and an environment which invites the presence of God into our midst. And with that said, 1 Corinthians 3 16 says, don't you know that you are a temple, a temple of the living God? God lives within each and every one of us. Yet, so many of us feel like he's far away, like we can't reach him, like he doesn't hear us. But God lives within you. You have to embrace the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. He's not a ghost. He's not the force in Star Wars. He's God. And he's made his habitation within you and me. We are his temple. That's why the word of God says in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He doesn't want us to accomplish things by our talent, by our ability, or even our good looks. Some people try to get ahead on their good looks and their talent and their ability. But God says, no. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. You know what? He includes himself in that. Other words, God could solve everything right now just like that. COVID-19, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. But COVID-19, the politics, the the abuse, the uh, child trafficking, you name it. God can just like that if he used his might. And his power. But he doesn't want to do it that way. See, right here on the end, it says the Lord of hosts. That's there for a reason. The Lord of hosts means the Lord of all the heavenly armies. All he has to do is say the word. And an army, a legion of angels will come and solve every problem on earth. But guess what? We will still be in the condition as humans that we are now. We wouldn't have grown. We wouldn't have developed. We wouldn't become the people God wants us to be. And the only way he can make us the people he wants us to be is by his spirit. He's got a work that he's doing in us. And every challenge and every test we face is a testing of our faith, where he's working something out of us, working us into the people he wants us to be. See, if you don't have any challenges, you're not going to grow. So that's why James 1 says, count it all joy. When you go through various trials and situations because it's the testing of your faith. And your faith produces patience. Amen? And so we're growing as we go through each challenge. The reason you're able to be a parent to your children is because you went through some things. You've experienced some things. And now you have something to share with them because you've been there. You've done that. Amen? 
So God wants us to go through some things because he's preparing us for eternity with him. He doesn't need us to defeat the devil. The devil's been defeated. Jesus said it's finished. Amen. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. So God doesn't need us to do his job. It's done. He's working on us. And the Bible tells us that the good work he began in us, he's faithful and just to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We're here to grow. And that's what this church is for. It's a place of growth. Amen. Because you grow where you love. And healthy things grow. Growing things change. Change is going to bring some challenges. And challenge is going to make you more obedient. And obedience is healthy. And healthy things grow. Do you believe that today? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. See, we're not fighting with worldly weapons. Guess why? Because we don't battle against flesh and blood. We're battling spiritual forces of wickedness. Amen? So God has given us divine power, prayer, praise, worship, those are the weapons he gave us, amen? That's why the word of God tells us to stand and see the salvation of the Lord. He didn't say, go fight and see the salvation. He said, stand. What did he say to stand on? His word. Stand on his promises. That's how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. See, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we have divine weapons, Amen. And Psalms 8-2 tells us, with praises from children and from tiny infants, you have built a fortress. It makes your enemies silent, and all who turn against you are left speechless. See, praise is a weapon of warfare. It silences the voice of the enemy. See, we go to sleep at night, some of us, tossing and turning, because the enemy is speaking to us with worries, with doubts, with fear, with unbelief. We, how many people know that worry is meditation on the negative? It's a constant, ongoing meditation on what might happen. Worry is fear. God said he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. But if you're worried, you're in fear. And guess what you're scared about? What might happen? Worry is fear about the future. But right now in the moment, everything is good. So it's a trick of the devil to distract you from the moment. Because if you stay in the moment, God can speak to you. We're not supposed to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. But if you're letting your mind be crowded with worry, doubt, and fear, you can't hear God's voice. Amen? Am I talking to somebody? Oh, I'm preaching to myself. It's okay. This is where I wanted to share. We're doing all this to have an atmosphere of worship. And before Brother Alex... I, like I said, I didn't even know he was going to do that song. I had this, this scripture here, 2 Chronicles 5. This is what happened in the temple. 2 Chronicles 5, verse 11. Then the priests left the holy place. All the priests who were present had purified themselves whether or not they were on duty that day. Let me give you the little context. Solomon had built, built the temple for the Lord. He built a house for God to dwell in so he wouldn't have to do, uh, dwell in the tabernacle into a tent. He built the temple. Amen? And the, all the priests had regular assignments. The, all the priests were Levites. Only Levites could be priests. How many people know that we're all priests? 
In the New Testament, we're all, we're a kingdom of priests. We're a holy priesthood, amen? What does a priest do? A priest ministers to God, amen? In the Old Testament, only one person could go into the holy of holies as the high priest to minister before the Lord. In the New Testament, we each, the holy of holy is within us, and we each get to go before the presence of God and minister to the Lord. And how do we minister to him? With praise, with thanksgiving, with worship, and with prayer. Amen? So, verse 12 says, And the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jedathan, and all their sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen robes and stood at the east side of the altar playing cymbals, lyres, and harps. And they were joined by 120 priests who were playing trumpets. I find that interesting because in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, there was 120 people in there. Second Chronicles 5.13, the trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. He is faithful. And his love endures forever. At that moment. A thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. See, that's the same cloud that conceived the Holy Spirit, conceived Jesus in the belly of Mary. The same cloud that overshadowed Mary. That's the same cloud that overshadowed Jesus on the mountain in the, in the transfiguration. That's the same cloud of glory that received Jesus into heaven. And it's the same cloud he's going to come back on. The glory of the Lord. And guess what? We get to recreate that in our worship. You can recreate that in your household. You just put on some worship music and begin to praise God. And you can feel the glory of the Lord fill your home and drive out everything you don't want in there. The strife, the worry, the anxiety, the stress. Drive it out with the presence of God. Because the devil can't stand it when you start praising God. Especially in the midst of your trouble. If you start praising God in the midst of your trouble, the devil gets confused. He's like, wait a minute, this is not working. You just praise him louder and louder, and the devil is going to get out of it. He's like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted. I wanted some crying. I wanted some sadness. I wanted some sorrow. I wanted some fear. I can't stand in the presence of God. I got to go. And that's, what the, that's why we praise God. See, God pours out his glory when his people praise him. We can never expect to have God in this house or in our own house, in our hearts, until we begin to praise him. Unless as a people we unanimously with one heart, though with many tongues, extol the king of kings, we can't expect the presence of God. Amen? But look what happened when that cloud fell. In verse 14, the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. See, God, I came up here and I said, I don't know what I'm doing today. Because God wanted to do something. Amen? And he didn't fill me in on it. He just said, just start the service and just, just take it from there. I'll show you what I want to do. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to do what I want to do. Amen? So you can't see the cloud when the glory of God, you can't go on with business as usual. You don't need a program. Amen? You don't get a chance to run through it and practice it and make sure it's a show. We don't want to do a show. Amen? All we want is God to show up. 
See, amen. The extreme presence of the glory of God made normal service impossible. The sense of the presence of God was so intense that the priests, it was impossible for them to continue service in the building. So as soon as the temple is open for business, all the carefully planned ceremony and services have to be suspended. We have to learn how to suspend our plans. Suspend some of the things that we, uh, we want and ask God what he wants. I shared this before. We get on our knees and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. I stop right there because you don't realize that you're saying his will be done on earth. You're saying you want it done in your life. We get down on our knees and say, let your will be done, but then we get up and do what we were already planning to do. We don't ask him what his will is for our life. We don't ask him what he wants us to do. So that's why we sometimes go astray because God has a plan, and we bump our heads against the wall with our own plans, and we don't ask him what it is that he wants to do in our lives. Amen? So we need to ask God what it is he wants to do. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now that my speaking and teaching were not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power that our faith will never rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I thank you, Lord, that you think through my mind, speak through my mouth and my heart, what you would have us to hear today, dear God. I thank you that the worship that's gone forth, dear God, is a blessing to each and every person that we get edified, encouraged, and comforted in whatever it is we're going through. I thank you, Lord, that we're not alone. We're not on our own. You hold us with the right hand of your righteousness. I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That whatever it is that we're going through, dear God, you're working it out. You're working it out. Do you believe that today? He's working it out. Hallelujah. Before we play, I'm going to share this passage because we think we're going through something. Acts 16, 16. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. How many people know that sometimes we give our talent and our skill to the enemy? Amen. And then try to give God the glory for it. Mm. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. How could she do that with a demonic spirit in her? But see, that's how the devil works. He'll say some of the right things to lead you the wrong way. Acts 16, 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit. Notice he didn't say it to her. He said it to the spirit. We don't battle against flesh and blood. Amen. He said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul in silence and dragged him into the marketplace to face the authorities. 
They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us as Romans to practice. Now, I want you to see what they went through. Remember, they were only preaching, and this is what they went through. Verse 22, the crowd rose up together against them. And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I want you to count how many abuses they suffered. The crowds rose up together. One, they tore their robes off. Imagine. You're out in the public, and people surround you and begin to tear your clothes off. And they proceeded to order them to be beaten. That's three, beaten with rods. And when they had struck them with many blows, that's four. They didn't just hit them a couple of times. They beat them mercilessly. They threw them into prison. That's five commanding the jailer to guard them securely, and he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison. That's six. That's the hole. <laughs> the inner prison, amen? That's prison in the prison. And then they fastened their feet into stocks. Now let's look how they... How many of us have gone through something that bad? I'm not going to put my hand up. I ain't been through something that bad. I've been through some things now. But look how they handle it. It says at midnight, they began to pray, and the other prisoners were listening. At midnight, the darkest time of your life, they began to pray and to sing hymns and songs of praise to God. At midnight, at the darkest time, the darkest time of your life when things look hopeless, they began to pray and sing praises and hymns to God. And then suddenly, then suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the prison's doors flew open and everyone's chain came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The reason I'm sharing this because each one of you each one of you is an evangelist. Each of us are an evangelist to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers that don't know God. Amen? And they know that you're going through some things because just because we're Christians, that doesn't mean life is perfect for us. Amen? And they see that we get sick that our loved ones get hurt, that people in our family die. They see that we go through some things, but then they see that we're also praising God. See, the prisoners were listening to them as they gave praises to God, as they sang hymns and they prayed. And your family members and your friends and your coworkers are looking like, at you like, how are they able to keep that joy with the things that they're going through? And when they see that you're able to praise God, and guess what? Their chains fall off. 
and they know that there is a God, and they come to you and say, where do you go to church? Tell me more about Jesus, and that's your opportunity to share your testimony. Amen? Because that's what we're here to do, y'all. Sheep begot sheep. Amen? And so, this is what happened. He says, sirs, in verse 30, what must I do to be saved? Because he's seen the power of God, and he couldn't believe what he saw, and he couldn't believe their response. So verse 31, they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Does everybody in here believe right now? We're all believers. We're all believers. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Not just you, but you and your household. Amen. That's your family. That's your loved ones. Amen. Because of your prayers, because of your faith, you're bringing them in the kingdom. Don't worry about where they are right now. God's beginning to work in them too. Amen. I had to hit the bottom myself before I woke up. Amen. You heard Brother Alex. He had to hit the bottom before he woke up. I believe we're not the only ones in here that had to hit the bottom before we snapped out of it. We have to know that we know that we know if we keep on pressing on and keep on standing in faith that our family and our loved ones are watching, our friends and our co-workers are watching, and that they too will be saved. Pray for them, amen? Pray for the president. Pray for the governor, amen? Pray. We have to pray. That's our weapon. Verse 32, and they spoke a word of the Lord to him. That's all you got to do. You don't got to beat the Bible. You don't got to tell them how bad they are and how sinful they are. They already knew. And when I was out in the street, I knew how bad I was. I knew what I was doing wrong. I didn't need to hear that. What I needed to hear was there was a God who loved me. What I needed to hear was God had a plan for me and a purpose with a hope in the future. And that was 22 years ago right now when I received the Lord. And I thank him. I praise him. Come on, let's give God some glory. Amen? Let's give God some glory. Let's give God some glory. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship. Bless your holy name. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no If you enjoyed this and other podcasts from the Connection Community Foursquare Church, be sure to listen in again and subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time a podcast is uploaded. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.